Hi, everybody. As uh, if you were here last week, you may know that Pastor Tom and Karen have taken some time away, a couple weeks, to go and and uh, just ask the Lord, "What do you want?" It's a dangerous kind of prayer, isn't it? We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But they went. And they've devoted two weeks to taking some time and seeking God's faith, face for His direction. And we are, I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful for a pastor who will take that kind of time, that loves us and cares enough about us to take that time away to do that. So Father God, right now, we just lift Tom and Karen to you where they are, wherever they may be. We pray, Father God, that you would give them a wonderful rest and renewal and restoration, Lord. And we also pray that you would give them tremendous clarity and discernment, Father God, for direction, for vision, for growth, Lord. We just lay them into your hands and give them to you in this next uh, week, Father God. We look forward to what they bring back. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, cool. Please just remember to, to keep them up this week. We've got another week of it, and they're very faithful to it. So uh, we're excited. I'm excited to see what they bring back. Well, today we're, we're starting a, just a little two-part series called Journey with Jesus. And most of us gathered here have probably experienced some type of journey with Jesus along the way. Maybe you're new on this journey and you just started your first few steps and maybe you've been walking it for years or even decades and you've gotten a little further on our map than some of us. And uh, we're just going to talk about our journey today. And if you haven't started a journey with Jesus, we'll give you some clues and some ideas on how to do that also. All right? There was a very famous quote by a very famous guy named Ralph Waldo Emerson who said, life is a journey, not a destination. Life is a journey, not a destination. And that quote rings very true to what God has planned for us. Our spiritual life is a journey, not a destination. Now, the destination is awesome, right? Destination is going to be wonderful, an eternity in heaven with God the Father. That's a pretty cool destination. But the here and now, the things that we have some control over, some choice over, is our journey. Let's take a look at this journey here. Let's... Uh, We'll pull our boat up here and get out with our hiking shoes and we'll start on our journey with Jesus here with the word here. Hear the gospel. Hear the good news of Jesus Christ. How many people have ever heard that? Hey, have you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you ever kind of heard that expression? Gospel of Jesus Christ? I'm the only one that's heard that expression. Okay, good. Come on, throw me a bone here, people. Okay. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it sounds awesome and yet in some ways can sound very ominous. What's gospel mean? I mean, when do we use that, that word in common English language? We throw it around a little bit. But the gospel is simply put, the good news that Jesus came to save us from our sins. 
It is good news of Jesus Christ. Christ, the Greek word for Messiah, the coming one, the anointed one, the one of God who came to bring us the good news. Pretty simple so far, right? Good. Well, if this is the first time you've heard that, I want to say awesome. I hope you not only hear it, but you hear it. You know what I mean? You know the difference? So let's talk about uh, Romans 6.23. It says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, we are inherently sinful people. We're broken. We're messed up. And we do stuff that we shouldn't do. But God loves us. God loves us and made a way for us to escape that sin that leads to death. And that's this, John 3.16. You ever heard that one before? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have what? You betcha. That's, that's a good promise. goes on in 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Oh, is that good? Let me tell you this. If you're waiting to start your journey because you don't think you're good enough, you're never going to get off the boat. No one here is good enough. No one here is good enough to earn it or deserve it. It's only by God's amazing grace and love for us that he's given his son, Jesus Christ, for us so that we could be saved from what we deserve. And this is a great starting point. This is where our journey begins. And um, some of you have experienced this a long time ago. I remember I was a 15-year-old kid in the basement of a little German church in Cincinnati, Ohio. There were two people that that did not speak German. One was me. (laughs) And one was our youth director. I don't know how I ended up there other than God just stuck me in there. But I'll take it. And I had been raised in church my whole life. My mom took me to church ever since I was in a wee baby, held in her arms, and my whole family went to church. But there was something about this young guy with long hair and a guitar and the words that he said and the way God used him that touched my heart. And I remember sitting there in that little basement and I gave my life to Jesus. And that's been a long time ago. But I love looking back on it. I love looking back on where I came from. It's good to do that. It's good. We need to do that. Because I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, I was like crazy on fire with Jesus, man. I'm like, you need to. I'm going home. My, my family was like aiding me. They're like, you need Jesus. They're like, yeah, I know. Just, uh, you told me yesterday. Could you just shut up for like five minutes, please? You know? But you are. You're so excited. You just want to tell everybody. And you're excited. You want to go serve people. You want to do, you start reading this, this Bible thing, right? You start reading this book. And all of a sudden, you want to start doing the stuff that it says to do. Right? And it's awesome. And it's great to look back on that. It's like, it's like your wedding day, if you're married, right? It's good to look back on that. You ever, how many people know where their wedding album is? 
God, God, the, the, it's all women. Is there a single guy? Guys are like, yeah, sure, I remember. You ever look at it? You ever go back and look at it? Now, I, I, granted, you can go back and go, oh, my gosh, what happened to us? <laughs> but then you look back and go, oh, man, remember that day, how wonderful it was? Some of you don't have that long to, uh, to remember back, do you? I'm looking at you giggling over there, just got married recently. But we look back and we go, oh, that was awesome. And our love was great and it was new and it was wonderful. We couldn't wait to see each other when we got home from work. And now you wake up next to that beautiful bride or your knight in shining armor with his hair all like that and his morning breath. Are you still excited? Are you still in love? Well, that's... That's how relationships work, isn't it? We got to think about those good times. Sometimes we got to work a little bit at them. We got to have those date nights, fellas. Right? We got to do those things. We got to make the effort, ladies. We all, it's a, you know, we got to make that happen. And that's the same way it is with any relationship we have friendships, spouses, God. If we don't talk to Him, how are we going to hear him? If we don't listen, how are we going to hear him? So it's great to look back. And as we keep going on our little journey here, <laughs> nothing but the best high-tech stuff for the vineyard here. <laughs> on our way to the next step, all of a sudden it clicks for us, doesn't it? And you know that moment. You know that one moment when all of a sudden it clicked. And it was like you opened your eyes for the first time to who Jesus was. You had that aha moment where it's like, whoa, where have you been all my life? And Jesus is like, I'm, I'm right here. I've been here the whole time. Thanks for opening your eyes. But it is, it's wonderful. And we have that moment. And that moment uh, leads us to our next step on our journey, which is to believe and receive that gospel that we heard. We make it part of our life. Our eyes were open. We went, wow, we are. I am kind of messed up. I am a sinner. I need to repent. I need to believe this gospel, and I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I need that. I need that. I need that. Romans 10.9 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hallelujah. Mm. That's good stuff. That'll preach right there. And this point is where we begin our own personal journey. For me, I was raised. This is no longer, you know, my parents' journey. This is no longer the vineyard's journey. This is mine, my journey. All of a sudden at that moment, God didn't just become God. He became my father. Right? This didn't become a religion. It became my faith. And my relationship with God. And that's where it all becomes very real. We talked about baptism. And that baptism service is where all of a sudden that realness just comes out in such a way we have to get dunked underwater to prove it. <laughs> but we just have to show people, look what God is doing inside of me. And that's what baptism is about. It's an outward expression of what God has already done in our heart. Now, 
here's your warning. Don't get stuck here, okay? This is, you know, on these little treasure maps, there's always like a little thing, a quicksand with a little skull and cross. Don't get stuck here. It's way too easy for two different reasons. One, we can be, get very comfortable in our salvation. We can get very complacent in it and go, well, got my fire insurance. I'm good, right? Okay, well, I got saved. I'm great. I'm going to just live my life out. We'll be cool. And again, remember, this is a journey. Journeys require movement. This requires us to keep going, keep digging deeper with God. It would be like me, it would be like, like joining the track team. You make the track team, you're at the starting gate, pow, the pistol goes off and you go, hey, hey mom, hey mom, I made the track team. Go, Right? You gotta go, you gotta move. The other way you can get stuck here too is by going, okay, well, I did this whole believe and receive thing, but man, I'm really a bad person. Man, is, are you sure this is okay, God? Because I know you wanna do a journey with me, but I'm, I'm still messed up. Well, who do you think he died for? He, you wouldn't need him to die for you if you were perfect. We all are messed up, we all are on this journey. There is not a single person here that is perfect. Don't look next to you. <laughs> Dick's getting pretty close. But, we're, but do not, do not let anyone tell you that you are not good enough to be on this journey. Don't get stuck here, okay? Cool. Remember, guys... This journey, even though we're on it, it's really not about us. It's about God. It's about experiencing God. It's about sharing God and letting God glorify himself through us. That's cool. And you know what? That takes a lot of the pressure off too because it's God. And that's really cool. And now we kind of take our next little step across the island. And on, it's this step where we start gaining momentum, right? This is where you have made the climb up the hill, the first hill on the roller coaster. That, I hate that part. That is the worst part. Just get it over with. You've made the climb, you're cresting the hill, and boom. You are off. You are going. Don't let anyone stop you. Keep going. Keep that momentum. This is where your life starts looking different to other people, and people go, wow, you're kind of getting a little crazy with that Jesus stuff, aren't you? Or maybe people just go, wow, you know, I kind of noticed you've changed a little bit. Right? This is where other people start looking different to you because God starts changing your heart. You start looking at people in the world a, a lot differently. And this is where you start kind of feeling a little different. Things just kind of start changing. The, the Bible calls it transformation, which is our, on our next one, we have practicing spiritual disciplines. That's a kind of a funky word there, isn't it? Spiritual. It sounds like spiritual, right? You know, I should have some great voice with reverb, but, you know, we don't have that here. So spiritual disciplines, it's just living out your faith. That's what it means. It's practices, things we put into practice to help us 
live out our faith. And this is the point, like I said, at which transformation happens. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You want to know what God's will is for you? Check this out. Then, after those things happen, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if you're wondering, what's God's will for my life? The question is, have you let him transform you so that you can understand it? Are you doing these? Are you practicing these spiritual disciplines? When I say practicing, I'm not talking about like practicing the violin. You know, hopefully eventually we'll get it right kind of thing. But I'm talking about like a, like a medical practice. It's something that's done every day. My doctor has a medical practice. He practices medicine. I hope he gets it right eventually. But it is. It's a method. It's a way of doing things. And so that's what we're talking about when we talk about spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. Okay? Now, for, let me give you an example here. For the past few weeks, Pastor Tom has been teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Right? Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And he's gone through all the different uh, spiritual disciplines, all the different things from praying to marriage to fasting to just living out your life as a believer. And we're going to finish up, actually, that passage uh, in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Now, remember, he had just preached this whole sermon. This is his longest singular teaching in the Bible. And he comes up, and, and these are his closing remarks, if you will. Therefore, everyone who hears these words and puts them into action is like a man, a wise man, who built his house upon the rock. The other translation is those who put him into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. It had a good foundation. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew against it. And beat against that house, and it fell with a great ha- a great crash. Excuse me. He was punctuating his sermon with this, saying, "Okay, not enough to just hear it, is it? You got to hear it, and you got to put it into practice." And let me tell you what; it's great. I, I I love our church. I love you guys. I love coming here on Sunday mornings hearing a good teaching, hopefully, hearing the band play, putting my money in the basket, maybe even have communion sometimes, right? And it's a wonderful time. But if this, if this is all that God's doing in, in you, there's got to be more. If you just come and sit in the seat, maybe have a little cracker and some juice, right? But to put those things into practice daily in our life and... That's when the teaching starts sinking in a little bit more. It's when the band becomes the worship team. It's when singing songs becomes giving everything we've got to God in worship. Putting them into practice. 
And, and for me, guys, I'll tell you, I love, I love to learn new things. I'm just kind of a geek like that. I guess I'm kind of the nerd that uh, I hate reading. I, I really don't like reading much, but I love reading stuff that teaches me something. I love the Bible. I love reading books by authors that, that teach me how to do things. I love learning those things. And I can sit there and plan things out like you would not believe. I can make a plan. And I think part of that comes from my, I, was in, uh, I was a carpenter for almost 15 years. I had my own business. It's when I had to kind of do that to also do ministry side by side. And I love nothing more than getting together with a client and talking about, hey, I want this room addition with a big deck and I want this and that. And I'm getting all my notes and I'm making a beautiful plan and a blueprint. I got the material list and cost sheets and, and how long it's going to take to do the project. I love that kind of stuff. But you know what? Until I put a hammer to a nail, I haven't done anything. It's like, okay, follow me, guys. <laughs> Men, if you go to home, and maybe ladies, I don't want to be sexist here. But you're like at Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're walking through the aisles, and they, they, they mess with your mind because they put these big pictures up of like a beautiful room addition or a beautiful new bathroom, right? Gorgeous deck with the latest stuff and everything. And you go, I can do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to build that deck. That one right there. Rounded front. Tree coming up through it. Fire pit. Little benches built in around it where we can sing Kumbaya every Friday night. I'm going to have lighting. I'm going to do it all. That's what I'm saying. Talk to my wife. I don't have the deck. I'm just dreaming here. Okay. (laughs) So you get that in mind and you get all that stuff and you order it and they come by and they drop this ginormous stack of lumber in your your driveway or in your yard and neighbors go, man, that's a big, yeah, I'm going to build this deck. Let me tell you about it. And you get your plan out and you show them, right? Two weeks go past. Have some people over for dinner. What's that big stack? I'm going to build a deck. Check this out. I know no one can relate to this in here, so uh, wives, please quit jabbing your husband in the ribs with your elbow. Month goes by. Honey, what you got to do with that? Uh, I'm going to build me a deck. Well, why don't you go build the deck? Why don't you go put it into practice? And that's what Jesus is saying, guys. We can be like the wise men and hear the things he talks about and put them into practice. Or we have the choice. We can be like the foolish man who hears them, ignores them, and does not. But we are called to build our house on the rock. Pull my one up there on the coast, right? Build our house on his rock on his foundation that is solid in him. And you notice when he taught on that, he says, you're like the wise man who built your house upon the rock and it's great because no storms will ever come anymore. Life will be awesome. You'll have the sunny beach. Ah, Jesus said storms will come. The waters will rise. The winds, I mean, it's a very violent storm he's talking about here. 
Winds blew and beat against the house. He knows the storm's coming. He's letting you know. He's letting us know. It's not a, it's not a cakewalk. Hard stuff still happens. But if you're living it out and you've built your foundation on his rock, you can survive it. You can survive it. So, my question is this. Uh, let me go. Why does it even matter? If we are saved by grace, we just read several verses about that, right? Our belief in Christ, we're saved. Then, then why does this putting things into practice really even matter? It's because we're called to grow. Again, this is a journey. The Apostle Paul calls it running the race. We're called to have movement. We're called to bring others with us on this journey. Let me ask you this. When you look back on that day, and you saw how excited you were, are you still that excited? Maybe you are. I hope you are. Are you still that pumped to go tell people about Jesus? Are people going, okay, just back up a little. <laughs> are people still seeing a difference in you? Are you still excited about it? Were you ever excited about it, I guess? Maybe, maybe one of the things. And then let me ask you this one. Do you want everything God has for you? Do you want everything God has for you. This is a dangerous prayer. This is a, da- this is a crazy prayer, okay? Because you may end up in Papua New Guinea when you pray this prayer. I'm not kidding. And you're, and you're thinking, you're, I, know, I know there's one of you at least out there thinking about it. Oh, yeah, but God wouldn't do that with me. <laughs> Anybody want to be praying that right now? I'll, we'll do a send-off for you next year. God will not take you beyond what you can do, but God will enable you to do it if you let him. I remember when Donna and I were looking at going into the mission field full-time, we really felt like that's what we were doing. And a few years ago, we were praying and we were looking at places like Madagascar was one of the places we looked at. Uh, We looked at several places uh, in Asia. We looked in, uh, actually one guy called and said, would you like to be a missionary in Israel? And so we're looking at all these places all over the world. And, and I, did, I did one of these prayers. Okay, God. The, we, we call this the deal prayer, right? Okay, I'll go wherever you want as long as I don't have to eat anything weird. <laughs> right? I mean, I don't like broccoli. And I've seen, I, I watch that, like those travel shows, like that Bizarre Foods. I see what people eat in some of those countries. Right? And, and I did. I actually prayed that prayer. And I look back on it and go, that was just stupid. But, you know, it was, it was genuine, if nothing else. <clears throat> Excuse me. And at that very moment, I had that kind of V8 moment, that, right? From the Holy Spirit, where I went, wait a minute. This is not the way to pray. I am not going to put stipulations on God. I'm going to take the handcuffs off like you could ever put handcuffs on him. The only one you put handcuffs on are yourself. God, 
give me whatever you want for me. Because the cool thing is, he's going to walk you through it anyway. That's a scary prayer. It's an awesome prayer. You never know where it'll end up taking you. But it's very cool. So, one of the things I love about Jesus is that he always did what he said. He was always the prime example of what he taught. That's English, taught. (laughs) Bible wasn't in English, it's okay. He was always a prime example of what he taught. He always practiced what he preached. We need to learn to practice. I work on it daily. We all, as believers in Jesus, need to work on our journey as we learn these spiritual disciplines. And I'm talking about stuff like prayer. And you go, well, I pray. Have you ever just set like a whole day aside and said, God, I'm going to just take this whole day and pray? Maybe you set a whole weekend aside, a whole week. I am going to just pray and seek your face. I'm going to take my vacation time. I'm getting ugly now, isn't it? I'm going to take my vacation time and I'm going to use it just to seek your face, God. Whoa. God, I'm going to take that week and now I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to give up food for a week. And I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to put everything aside. I'm going to put Facebook aside, my phone. I'm just going to seek you. I'm going to crack open that word of God. I'm going to break it open. I'm going to read it. And I'm going to meditate on your word like it tells me to do. It's hard. We live a pretty busy life in this culture, don't we? Some of you probably have kids that have like 14 soccer games this week alone, right? How am I supposed to find a day to do this? I don't know. I think if you think real hard, you may be able to find an hour or two. You may have to sacrifice one of those soccer games. Okay, we're all cool, man, it's good. You may have to sacrifice something like that. Maybe that's what God's calling you to do, I don't know. The result is you give that child of yours who might have gone to soccer a much more godly mother or father. I don't know. You're probably like, yeah, right, you only have kids. I understand. We all live busy lives. But there are times where we have to set aside time to do this and to do it well. And you go, okay, that's just way overwhelming. I don't even know about prayer thing. Okay, I kind of get that. The fasting thing, I I got nothing. Meditation, I thought that was some weird guy in the corner. like, okay. Let me help you with that. Let me help you with that. Starting on October 26th at 6 p.m., it's a Sunday evening, we're going to have a five-week class. It's going to call called Journey with Jesus, conveniently. And we're going to be talking about that. Prayer, fasting, meditating on your Bible, walking it out. Very real, very practical steps. If you're going, this is the first time I've ever done this, man. You know, it's cool. We're doing baby steps. You may say, yeah, this is kind of old hat for me. Cool, come get a refresher. But we're going to do this. We're going to take the time because this stuff is the stuff that takes us from being churchgoers to God experiencers. 
And you know what? I want to experience God. I want to experience him daily, not just on Sunday or Wednesday night. I want him every day. All right, if the band will kind of come on up and we'll close up here with a few things. So... Next week, we're going to finish this map, okay? There's a couple more steps to take. I'll bring my little friend back. And, uh, and we'll talk about it. But let me leave you with a little review here, if you will. Number one, our spiritual life is a journey, not a destination. Destination's great, but what are we doing right now? Number two is this, we need to keep moving forward. And the way we do that is by practicing the disciplines that Christ taught us. We need to keep moving forward, keep that movement. And the third is this. I don't know what the third is. The third is, we must put into, hallelujah. Just find the little things to be thankful for anymore. We've got to put into practice. No, no, we must put into practice what we learn if we are to grow. If we're going to grow into the Christ waters, the men and women that God has desired us and created us to be, we must learn to practice these disciplines. We must learn to pray, to fast, to meditate on his word, to give generously, to take time of solitude and listen for his voice. We need to do these things. And so as we, we sing this, this last song, and we'll let the band dismiss you today. Pretty cool. Big responsibility. Got it? Good. As we just leave in this last song, I want you to think, am I excited? Am I excited about Jesus? Does this whole thing of being saved from my sins, does it still excite me? Do I just want to go, yeah, put on a big foam finger, go, Jesus. We do it a football game, we can do it here. I'm just saying, don't be hating. Are you still excited? And have I lost momentum? Have I lost momentum? What do I need? And if I have, what do I need to get that momentum going again? What do I need? God, we love you. We praise you, Father. You are so good to us. And you have provided a way to save us from sin and save us from ourselves. You have sacrificed your one and only Son who you love so dearly so that we did not have to experience eternal death. You are so good. Father God, I pray that you would breathe on those embers in our hearts. You would just breathe them back into roaring flames. That we're excited for you. And Father God, where we have lost some momentum, give us a push. Give us a push. And I have this 
this visual in my head of a little kid on a bicycle, first time with the training wheels off, just wobbling and barely keeping it going. And his sweet daddy coming up behind him and just giving him that extra push that he needs to stay afloat, to stay going, to keep going forward. God, it's all yours. We just give it to you. In the name of Jesus.